Hello and welcome to the Star Wars Universe podcast. Today myself, Riki, and Sarah are talking about episodes 17, 18, 19, and 20 of season 5 of The Clone Wars. This is the Ahsoka arc, an arc that is very important for her character. Even if you've never seen anything else from The Clone Wars, if you're interested in Ahsoka, if you're interested in where her character has been and what we can expect to see more of when she's uh, back on uh, when she's back on the live action screen, these are definitely episodes you want to hear about. All that and more after a commercial break. We have no control over. Welcome back. As I said, I'm Matthew, your host. I'm joined by Riki and Sarah. So, what do you think, folks? Uh, these are some nice light episodes to take us <laughs> after that uh, intense stuff with Satine and Obi Wan and Maul. This is my favorite story. Wait a minute. Did I say that last week? <laughs> I don't know. This se- this whole season is amazing. Yeah. yeah, I I I remembered all the stuff I said about how the last four was one of my absolute favorites, and then I I I remember because I I watched all these episodes the first time, just kind of zooming through in that way where like you kind of forget where one season ends and another begins, and so I forgot that this set of episodes comes next, and just oof, this is. I think just the entertainment value, the moving the movingness the entertainment value the like the way in which they're they're moving and and powerful episodes is great but i also think in terms of like what they set up for all the the stuff that that's been coming afterwards especially the ahsoka uh tv show we're getting and her character appearing in mandalorian i think these four episodes are some of the most significant we get yeah um i i also thought that these were later um and that could just be because of the the last season of mm-hmm. uh, Clone Wars, which recently came out um, as a major Ahsoka focus. So I, I think I might have assumed that this was part of that. But right. yeah, it, it is very... Like, it, it sets a lot of stuff in motion. It also, like, fills in a lot of gaps that need to be filled in. I don't, like... I feel like I'll expand more on that once we actually get to the... Uh, the the stuff it's i don't know i guess it's not really spoilery since we're assuming that you've seen the episodes right yeah i'll say right now if you've not seen these episodes yet if you've mostly been following along and not watching the clone Wars show that's great that's the whole point of this if you're going to watch any four episodes i i would pretty strongly recommend these four and then and then some of uh parts part seven season seven so if you want to pause watch those and come back in a day or two or if you're like me in a couple hours uh do that great (laughs) if not Definitely just keep listening. We'll try to fill you in if you haven't had seen them, but know that we will be spoiling them um, uh, starting now. So yeah, go ahead. Starting right now. Starting right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because obviously like Ahsoka needs to leave before we get into the next prequel movie. So having her, like, that needs to be set up somehow. But right. even then, like, knowing that that's going to happen, her, like, declining to rejoin the Jedi Order is still, like, such a big moment. And, like, pretty surprising yeah so yeah. let's give a summary of the episodes both for those who may have forgotten because it's all a long time ago or those who aren't watching um we start with a scene on the planet of uh cato neomodia where ahsoka and anakin are fighting a battle and anakin gets in trouble and it's ahsoka who saves him but they're called back to coruscant to uh, carry out an investigation because a terrorist bombing has been done at the jedi temple And we're now investigating, and there's kind of a long sort of mystery plot where um, we're we're chasing someone, and Anakin and Ahsoka are going pretty intense uh, in the interrogation and and attempt to catch a suspect. And 
at a later point, then the the suspect, who's the wife of the person who it seems was like a suicide bomber at first, um, that person we discover that the wife actually um, kind of uh, basically fed fed him the bomb through these nanobite type things, and so she seems guilty. They arrest her, but she's now claiming that people made her do it, and Ahsoka goes to meet with her in her jail cell, and she's telling Ahsoka that. It's, it, it was one of the Jedi who made her do this, and she's just about to reveal the name when, in perfect movie star way, she starts to be choked. Uh, what clearly looks like she's being force choked. And we as the audience, it's very clear that Ahsoka is not doing this. But to the security cameras that have conveniently had the sound turned off for some reason, uh, it looks to all the world like Ahsoka has done this. So uh, <coughs> Ahsoka is, they want to arrest her. She goes on the run. Uh, while she's on the run, she winds up teaming up with Asajj Ventress to create the best buddy cop movie in all of history. That, damn it, Disney, be, be brave and give us that movie or <laughs> give us that show because the two of them have phenomenal chemistry together. There's reasons why we maybe can't do it from the books, but I don't care. Ah- Ahsoka and Asajj Ventress together are just the greatest thing ever. Um, but so they wind up working together and and connecting over the fact that both of them are kind of on the outs with their respective organizations because... Asajj is realizing the problems that, you know, the Sith kicked her out and Ahsoka is feeling like the Jedi kicked her out. And all this time, Anakin is both chasing after her, but also trying to prove her innocence. Eventually, um, Ahsoka winds up fighting someone with dark lightsaber, red lightsabers, very much believing that it's Asajj Ventress. And um, Ahsoka is caught by the Jedi and the Jedi believes she's completely guilty. She claims that no, uh, Asajj totally set her up. Anakin tries to defend her, but it's very clear that the Jedi are not here for to hear her what she has to say. And because they've been pushed to do this by Tarkin, who's now kind of a high-ranking person in the military, they officially kick her out of the Jedi. Because the rule is that only the Jedi can try the Jedi, and so the and Tarkin and the, the Senate want to try her uh as on their terms. So she has to be kicked out of the Jedi so that she can be held held responsible for her, her theoretical crimes in that venue. It's a very painful setting. It's really awful to watch. Uh, but she's arrested. She's put on trial. And it looks like she's going to be convicted. And just before the sentence is read, uh, Anakin bursts in to announce what he found out, which is that the true criminal was Barris Ophie. Barris is a another Padawan who had kind of had some interactions with Ahsoka at various points in the show beforehand. And she makes clear that she did this because she believes the Jedi have lost their way, that the war is the Jedi's fault, that the Jedi have lost uh, the view of the light and only see the darkness, and that, therefore, this is why she did it. The Jedi Council is all like, oh, no, Ahsoka, we're so sorry. We didn't mean that. Oops, our bad. Uh, Even going to the point of sort of implying that this was all a test and that she did so well. And they offer her the chance to rejoin, and Ahsoka says, thanks, but no thanks, and ends the episode and thus ends the season basically like turning her back on Anakin and on the Jedi and walking out into the world. The end. The end. <laughs> well, so I, I think it's worth noting this is the end of season five. Yep. And the writers were not sure if they were going to be renewed. So they had to write this in a way that this could be the end of the series. And as Sarah said earlier, you have to write off Ahsoka somehow so that yeah. you can have Revenge of the Sith without Ahsoka and it makes sense. Right. 
and of course they got renewed they they kind of got a half a sixth season that is yeah. that was released as the lost missions and then recently they they finally got a seventh season yeah uh, but it was very much um like buffy the vampire slayer or agents of shield which sarah and i recently watched where after season five there was this conclusion that could have been the end of the show and yeah. then oh we got renewed so we have to kind of like write some more stuff after that <laughs> but this this is this could have been a very satisfying ending to the series for sure because not only does it write ahsoka out and like the way we say that it could have been done very clunkily but honestly i felt like this is a brilliant story for her and it also and, and sarah i'm not sure if this is the it, it, tell me if you would agree with this that this is kind of what you were getting at before I feel like so many of the themes that we've been talking about in pretty subtle ways really are brought to the forefront. You know, um, Chancellor Palpatine is kind of in charge of the trial, and we see it very clearly that he is kind of trying to draw to drive a wedge between the Republic and the, the Jedi. Um, the accusations that uh, Barris makes against the Jedi are pretty much the stuff we've been seeing this whole time. I mean, it's it's terrible that she did this attack and killed people, but like at least I, I kind of felt like she's pretty much right um and that ahsoka is kind of the audience stand-in for all of us as we're really starting to see the brokenness of the jedi and how much they have fallen um and and so just with that and with some of the other things it just felt like it 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 highlighted so many of the themes that have been building for these last five seasons and and you're right i think set it up in a way where if this is what leads in oh and i'd say the last big thing is it also really shows how much anakin is wrestling with being part of the jedi because he clearly is upset about what they do to Ahsoka. We see that his like personal allegiance to Ahsoka is much stronger than his allegiance to the Jedi themselves. And he 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 gets mad at her when she feels like she wants to to walk out because it's pretty clear that in some level he wishes he could too. And he's he kind of says that to her. So yeah, and I, we'll get into each one of those plot points in a bit, but I feel like there's just so many ways in which these episodes just kind of put a point on all these themes that have been building. Uh, yeah, totally. I, I completely agree. And that's, um, yeah, that's, that's sort of what I was getting at. It does sort of um, put like a neat little bow around the themes that we've been talking about, but not in a uh, forced way. Um, like it just, it nicely wraps up a lot of these themes that we've been talking about. Uh, and yeah, like knowing that you have to get rid of Ahsoka before the series ends, it could have just been like, and now she falls down a trash chute and is dead, right? Like there, there, there could have been a lot of less satisfying conclusions to the series, mm-hmm. even though this isn't actually the series conclusion. Um, but leaving her as just like wandering off to like go find herself basically still leaves that door open for her to come back in the future. Like we saw recently in this, this seventh season that came back um, on Disney plus just a couple of years ago, a less right. than a year ago. How does time work? I don't know. And I feel like, you know, there's, there's all these wonderful moments sometimes when you can go, a pre- like generally I don't like prequels because often I feel like they kind of fill in details in the wrong ways or it, it kind of takes away from the significance of some things and I think it's a lot of people's complaints about a lot of the prequels. I feel like having seen only a couple months ago Ahsoka saying with such vehemence to the Mandalorian you know, as to why she won't train Grogu, Baby Yoda, it's because she is not a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, And then seeing these episodes and being reminded why even so many years later, she's so clear that like she's a you know light side of the force using force user, but she's not a Jedi. Uh, it just, it just, it really hits home for me. Like getting to see why is it that she's not a Jedi and why is that still so strong for her. 
Yeah, totally. Um, and even like like when the when the Jedi Order is like asking her to come back, basically, or not even they're not even asking her to come back. They're telling her that they're going to accept her back, right. assuming that her coming back is like a foregone conclusion. Um, and like you've got uh, Master Mundi and um, Plo Koon. And Obi-Wan's there, but he doesn't say anything. But, like, Master Mundi and Plo Koon have been important figures in Ahsoka's life and, like, training as a, as a Padawan. And they give some pretty impassioned speeches about how, like, we're sorry we're wrong. Please mm-hmm. come back to us. And then Windu, Mace Windu gives this, like, well, the Force works in mysterious ways. This was all mm-hmm. a test. You passed the test. Come on back. I think at that moment she's just like, nah. Like, if, if you're just gonna say this is how the force works and not even admit wrongdoing here then like why why would i come back to this and i think she knew from the get-go right like when she's running away after there's the security footage of her seemingly uh choking letta was the mm-hmm. name of the wife i think i believe that's correct yeah um like she she knows that she's got to run right and it's 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 anakin's telling her like oh just turn yourself in you're gonna get a fair trial don't worry about it but she already knows like nah i'm not gonna get a fair trial they think i've done this i have to go find evidence that i haven't before coming back right and i think that's one of the most interesting and also hardest parts of this is like she's right i mean she very much does not get a fair trial she Mm -hmm. walks into this courtroom that looks like not like a place for a fair trial you know all the jedi are, are high high up and making her feel small and significant and well you they... talk about the jedi chamber like the count what do they call it the chamber of judgment or something yeah, yeah it's exactly. very like then, shadowy figures the, act- the actual courtroom where the republic puts her on trial right but even before that like when you know yoda just announces like we believe that you're guilty and so we are kicking you out of the jedi order you know, she starts to make her defense, but it becomes like they actually they admit like, yes, we have already made our decision. We don't care what you have to say. Isn't it? Does he actually say that they think she's guilty or that they think she needs to be tried in military tribunal? The the impression I got was certainly that they, they think that it's true enough that she's guilty, that they're kicking her out of the order. Mm. Yeah. So the reason the reason they have to are even debating this in the first place is, yeah, like you mentioned, Tarkin, um, who's not yet an admiral, but I think he's like Commander Tarkin or something like that. Right. They they refer to him as admiral. Admiral at this point? I think he was already an admiral when we met him previously. Oh, interesting. I I didn't think he was admiral. Uh, Actually, no, he might have been captain. No, he was Captain Tarkin in the prison because he was the captain of the ship that the Jedi was on. Okay, so yeah, Tarkin's an admiral now. Yeah, he's been promoted. Um, and he's he and his cheekbones are telling the the Jedi Council that you know like you you can't just have this internal trial like that doesn't look good. People are already starting to question the Jedi as this like um, all all seeing all knowing force, right? So you have to you have to turn Ahsoka over for military tribunal. Like you have to let her get a public trial. Mm-hmm. We have to try her in public, basically, um, because even uh, even though. Um, Ahsoka, before before Ahsoka even goes into the uh, prison to have this confrontation, there's rumors that like the Jedi were responsible for the bombing of the Jedi Temple, right. uh, and that's going all around Coruscant. So like people are suspicious of the Jedi already. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of the things that it really brings out is that to me, there's two really interesting dynamics that come to play there. One is that there's already a lot of suspicion and a lot of distrust of the Jedi, and this whole situation really brings that out and and makes Ahsoka sort of confront it in ways she never realized. And also that some of the Jedi are like uh, uh, Mace Windu, especially. Honestly, seems a lot more con- concerned with the image of the Jedi than actually figuring out the truth here. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Mace looks is one of the people who comes out looking the worst in this whole thing. Oh, for sure. And I like I haven't been a Mace fan <laughs> mm-hmm. since the get go. But yeah, and I like Obi Wan protests right, and is like, no, like we we should just try Ahsoka as the Jedi Order because that's what we've been doing for forever, and that's what we're gonna do. Right. Um, but he obviously gets like outvoted, and Yoda mentions that when they have this like meetings of shadowy figures which yeah is almost comically like evil they're yeah like you said they're all in these like individual like alcoves in their high chairs looking down on ahsoka and anakin they were doing everything but wearing their robes to hide their faces yeah it was it was a lot um and then like we get a couple shots of obi-wan looking pissed off uh, and yeah, Yoda mentions like we're not, we weren't unanimous about this, but we're deciding to release you from the order to have this military trial, military tribunal, and that like somebody has to, like the person who's going to defend you isn't even going to be from the Jedi Order because that in itself would look bad. So they get right. Padme to defend Ahsoka, right? Which to remind I... us that the character exists, <laughs> that Padme exists. Yeah, I, I have to kind of say also as an aside here. There's so much in here that I love. One theme that I I was definitely uncomfortable with, and I I wondered how much it is intentional, is, you know, basically in this world, the Jedi function kind of like cops or like military. And in the first episode, the way Ahsoka and Anakin are treating things is like, you know, if this was a cop show, these would not be our heroes necessarily. Like Mm. they're being very harsh in their interrogation. Uh, In some ways, I was a little upset that... um, in some ways, I was a little upset that Lita turns out to be guilty because they they basically assume that just because she runs that she must be guilty. Like, Ahsoka basically says that. Um, but, uh, yeah, she says, running proves you have nothing to hide. And they're, they're very bloodthirsty almost. Like, Ahsoka is, you know, saying that, like, she needs to be dealt with, this person. Uh, they're both really letting their anger get away with them. And then, and so that was already kind of, like, you know, definitely, like, hard to watch. But then in the scene when... Obi-Wan and some of the others are arguing that, like, only the Jedi should investigate the Jedi. I felt like I was in a really hard position because on the one hand, I'm thinking, like, yes, in this particular situation, it does seem like Ahsoka is being railroaded and turning her over to the Republic and to Palpatine doesn't seem like a good idea. But as a general idea, the rule that only cops can investigate cops, only the Jedi can investigate the Jedi, is not really a very good one. So I definitely was like, I, I was really conflicted by those scenes. I, I, I hope that was kind of the point of showing that like, yes, this is what the Jedi would do. And it makes kind of sense in the situation. But also, if the Jedi are the only ones who get to police the Jedi, even when they harm civilians, it kind of dra- drives home one more reason why they, people don't trust the Jedi. Yeah, totally. And I completely agree. Like when Tarkin is giving the speech that like, you can't just have an internal trial for this and call it a day. Like... I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but, like, we know that Tarkin is not a good guy and that Palpatine is not a good guy. So, what? <laughs> spoiler, <laughs> sorry. Um, but, but yeah, like, 
without knowing that, it sounds like a very logical thing to say, right? And it's like, yeah, of course I agree that they shouldn't just have this internal trial. Right. Um, and I also want to talk like what you said about um, Ahsoka saying running means you've got something to hide. Like, I, I also wish that um, Leto wasn't guilty because then she runs, like Ahsoka runs, right? And yeah. she has nothing to hide. But she's just finished saying, like, well, if you run, you're guilty, therefore. And but I think I mean, it's very like, intentional. I think kind of brilliant screenwriting of, of, like, putting Ahsoka in that same place that she put Lita in. Mm-hmm. And then I guess having, like, Lita be guilty and her not be, like, right? It's like, haha, I, I proved it. Running meant you were guilty. Therefore, if you run, you are guilty. Mm-hmm. Mine made up. And it's like, oh, no, now I have to run. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, she didn't kill her wife. What? Oh. Ahsoka didn't... What? Huh? Who didn't kill their wife? It's a reference. Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like in some ways, the other big theme that I get out of this is... It's the is... fugitive. That... Okay. <laughs> so there's a scene after she escapes from prison where she's running through the sewers of Coruscant. Like these giant human-sized or being-sized pipes being chased by clones and Anakin. And Anakin corners her... Like on a ledge where one of the pipes is emptying water into something else, uh-huh. and they they have a they talk at the edge of the the ledge, and he's like, "Come back, like I'll help I'll help you fight this." And she's like, "No, I have to like do this on my own and figure out what's going on." And she jumps. That that was a direct reference to the movie Fugitive, also starring I'm, Harrison Ford. Yeah. I'm amazed I didn't I didn't recognize that at first, but you're completely right. That's that's brilliant the way that's yeah. done. But but in the scene in The Fugitive, Harrison Ford's character says, "I didn't kill my wife," and Tommy Lee, Lee Jones, the the marshal, U.S. marshal, says, "I don't care." <laughs> yeah. Does Harrison Ford do the finger shake when he says he doesn't kill his wife? Uh, he might have. I, he, I think he does do it in that movie at some point. Yeah. It's a great, great movie. Um, what is yeah. This? I, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I, I was, I, I, the reason, though, the why I bring that up is, for me, this is kind of another theme that this highlights, is when I watch the prequels, one of my first questions is, okay, if you have all the clone troopers under your command, that's one thing. But the whole galaxy has thought for so long that the Jedi are the, you know, the guardians of peace and justice. And... um. I think that's not the right phrase. It's peace and guard, guardians of peace in 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 this world, and I've always kind of wondered like why does the rest of the Senate believe Palpatine and go along with the idea that oh actually these people who are completely our heroes are now suddenly terrible, and I feel like the all the all of the Clone Wars, but especially these four episodes, I now much better understand why the people are so willing to believe that the Jedi are corrupt and that the Jedi are the are traitors because they really highlight how much distrust there is and and frankly, how much that's the Jedi's fault with their hubris and their arrogance and, and just kind of condescension to everybody. Yeah, well, Lita um, is part of a, a group who's basically like protesting the Jedi and think, thinking the Jedi are warmongers. And they have like signs that say like, no more clones and stuff like that when they're out protesting. Um, and, and yeah, so like it, it totally makes sense that this narrative of like you were saying, the, the the Jedi are warmongers goes through because in in like in a way they kind of are right? like mm-hmm. I mean sure they're being manipulated by Palpatine to do it but they're still doing it. And and Tarkin even has kind of fun with that at one point where he's mm. he's explaining how more and more thing that 
he's explaining that the emperor wants the the role of the Jedi to be kind of curtailed somewhat. And he says, you know, don't you keep reminding us that you're peacekeepers, you're not soldiers. Yeah, yeah, which is good. Like, I I, I, I like that moment, too, where he mm-hmm. reminds them, like, you're always talking about how you're peacekeepers. <laughs> I wrote down... Uh, and in that same vein, I think it's let's talk for a minute about Barris and her motivations, because mm-hmm. I have to say I was so happy when she gives her speech and, you know, reveals why she does it. And she's not a separatist. She's not a Sith. Like she's flirting with the dark side a little bit. and She kind of likes the red lightsabers. But the reason she gives are it's not a Mwahaha, Dooku and Palpatine got me to do this. It's she genuinely believes that the Jedi have lost their way. And th- this is her speech, and I, I just, I'm going to quote the whole thing because I think it's brilliant. I did it because I've come to realize what many people in the Republic have come to realize, that the Jedi are the ones who are responsible for this war, that we've so lost our way that we have become villains in this conflict, that we are the ones who should be put on trial, all of us. And my attack on the temple was an attack on what the Jedi have become, an army fighting for the dark side, fallen from the light that we once held, so, fallen from the light that we once held so dear. This Republic is fa- failing. It's only a matter of time. I can't find the lie in that. Yeah. I mean, the whole, like, I did it thing coming at, like, as Anakin is saying, I have proof that it was Barris who did it. Seems like a little disingenuous, I suppose. Like, she's, Barris is more than willing to let Ahsoka take the fall for this and -hmm. doesn't come forward until she's been caught. But yeah, I, I mean... I, I don't think she's necessarily yeah. wrong in what she says, but she's, she's definitely wrong in what she does, right? Vera sure. spent a lot of time setting Ahsoka up. Mm-hmm. You know, she broke her out of prison, like, seated her lightsabers at the exit so she would pick them up. Um, she, she even, like, she... So, she, she got... Um, she confided in... like So, there was there was a funeral for some of the Jedi who had died in the explosion. And then Barriss and Ahsoka are, like, talking to each other. Barriss is, like, very upset. And Ahsoka's, like, helping her. And Barriss is, like, confiding in her. So that when Ahsoka does break out of prison, she ends up calling Barriss. And, like, right, mm-hmm. asking Barriss for help. And Barriss is like, oh, I've got a map. You should go to this area. Yeah, she leads her. She leads Ahsoka to a factory that has the nanodroids that, were, that she probably used in the in the bombing. And right. then fights Ahsoka there um, in disguise as Ventress, and then drops her, like knocks her down into the chamber just as the clones come in. So they're like, "She's in this chamber with the nanodroid. She's guilty." So she spends all this effort setting her up, and then when Anakin catches her, she's like, "Oh yeah, it was me, and only me," which is weird. Like I understand, like if she's caught, she wants to make this speech, and it was a good speech. But you would think she would at least still also just be like, we did it together. I, I was in on it with Ahsoka. So that that part was kind of weird that mm-hmm. it just so cleanly lets Ahsoka off the hook. I think it kind of makes sense because I think, A, I think she's going to drive the bigger wedge here because, I mean, she knows Ahsoka quite well. And so she must kind of know that, you know, putting Ahsoka in this position where everyone now knows how much they screwed up is, is maybe kind of a, a, a way to drive that wedge there. But also I kind of think like, you know, it's that thing where like you've hidden your secret for so long and, and 
you know, you want to be able to tell everybody why you did this thing, but you can't. And now you get the chance and you don't want to share the credit. You want to let everyone see, like, look what I did. Yeah, the like the villain monologue. Yeah, sense. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I was so I was a little confused about the timeline because I thought that Barris did it because she was sad that this person died in the explosion. But that doesn't make sense because she was the one who like caused the explosion. Um, so I don't like is she showing genuine remorse there when she's at this eulogy for the Jedi who were lost in the explosion, or is she just like trying to reel Ahsoka in? I believe her master has died, right? It was, no, it was like a training, um, a training, a, a training buddy who was kind to her. Yeah, I, I believe but, it but kind of hold his lightsaber. Yeah, but also, didn't her master die? Like who? Her who master was, is dead, but yeah. not in this explosion. Not in the explosion. Yeah. yeah, right. So that I, leads to her fall as well, is that she's mm. lost someone in the war. Right. Yeah, I, I, I kind of saw it as two ways. One is I saw it as it might be kind of a like. She wanted to kill nameless, faceless Jedi, but not necessarily like this one particular person who was so close to her. Um, but also, I think it's possible that she kind of sees it as like, I know these people had to die, but I still feel a lot of grief over it. You know, and I think that's something we've definitely seen from other villains before, not in the Star Wars universe often, because it's kind of a very nuanced idea. But the sort of like, I know I have to do this and I know I have to attack my former comrades, but I still hate doing it because... They are my former comrades. Like, there's a moment where she and Ahsoka are talking after the uh, after the funeral, and and she's very gentle about this. And so I I only kind of noticed it I think because I knew this time I was watching I knew that Barris was going to turn out to be the traitor, and she kind of like very gently presents the idea to Ahsoka of like, well, but, but do you think maybe those folks who distrust the Jedi so much how ha- might might have a reason to? I got the sense that in that moment she's kind of trying to decide if she can recruit Ahsoka and like maybe feeling out like do other I know other Jedi agree with me like maybe Ahsoka does too. Yeah, maybe I guess like so I even though I'd seen this and like knew knew Barris did something at some point when I watched the first two episodes I was like ooh this is the girl who betrays Ahsoka in later episodes in like a couple seasons from now. So I don't think I really put together that like, oh no, these are the episodes where she sets Ahsoka up. So I wasn't like really keyed into it so much. It just like, it seemed like a very logical, I guess, statement Mm -hmm. to make. Like she was just being sort of empathetic with this idea that maybe the Jedi are to blame, but yeah, it could have been like just to to feel out Ahsoka or just genuine feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I just wanted to like throw in a quick correction to what we said. Um, so Barris's master is Luminara Unduli, and like she doesn't she doesn't die until like after Order sixty six. Oh. Oh okay. Yeah. Cool. So she like I think she survives she? Order sixty six. Uh, what is this? like yeah she evaded she evaded the fate and is, was like shot down on Kashyyyk way later. Um, I, I don't know where she is. Why isn't she looking out for Barris? Like the yeah. last time we saw Barris was when her, like it was her and Unduli were together, and I think like Obi Wan and Anakin and Unduli went off on something, and then Ahsoka and Barris got stuck on like a planet together. Right. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know where. Like where? Where is she? Why isn't she watching her Padawan and her Padawan's turn to this dark dark side? Yeah, but, eh. 
Yeah. I mean, we, we often saw Anakin and Ahsoka go off in different ways. And I, I think it, it may be significant because um, Riki, you pointed out that like losing her master could well be a part of sort of what helps to radicalize her. And, and maybe it's not that she lost her master, but her master kind of stopped paying attention to her. I mean, mm-hmm. one thing too we saw bit, in too earlier. Too busy with the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one thing we saw in earlier seasons was that she was very much like Little Miss Perfect. Like she was always the perfect Padawan who, you know, Ahsoka could never match up to. And, you know, maybe that wasn't a great relationship she had with her master and that her master now was like, oh, okay, you're, you're perfect. You know everything. I don't need, I don't need to pay attention to you. Or This is all headcanon at this point, but I can certainly see it making sense. Mm-hmm. So what did you all think of uh, Asajj Ventress coming into the story and teaming up with Ahsoka for a little while? I thought it was good, but I also, like, the Clone Wars TV series, like, this whole, the entire show is wedged between the two movies, and we know that that's a three-year gap. Right. And even then, like, Asajj has been a villain for at least the first half of of the run of this series. So we're looking at, at most, like, maybe six months since she was last a villain. Mm -hmm. And I do think it was a little... The timeline is too condensed for how much they trust her, like both Ahsoka and then later Anakin. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I do like the character and her interactions with Ahsoka. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't like this team up as much as the Obi-Wan Ventress team up, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but I, I, I don't even know if there is, like, as much of a trust. Like, Anakin for sure trusts Ventress too much but ahsoka like when she runs into her ventress is basically like i'm a bounty hunter now i'm hunting you for bounty um and uh, ahsoka and ventress kind of team up out of this need not necessarily want i don't even think that ahsoka trusts ventress because later when um barris comes back disguised as ventress ahsoka's just like i knew it i knew you'd betray me yeah like yeah, I think they're just starting to trust each other. And in many ways, it's not even that they trust each other. It's that I think, especially Ventress actually says this, that she comes to have some sympathy and understanding and, and to see a connection between the two of them. And I think at this point, it's only it, Ventress sees that much more, I think, than Ahsoka does. But watching this did make me hope that after Ahsoka like commits to leaving the Order... I have always had this hope that at some point Ahsoka and Ventress find each other again and are able to build some kind of like camaraderie around the idea that both of them have seen the flaws in their respective organizations and are kind of meeting somewhere in the middle. Uh, Like I said, I think that would be a great, uh, you know, a great buddy movie, basically. Um, Never read any of the books. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. And I I understand it from the books that we know how Ventress's story ends. I'm not going to spoil anything, but... Um, you know, it would have to probably be a, a canon break of some kind, but some part of me is still holding out that we get that story somewhere. Cause I just, we only get them on screen for like five minutes together, but I just love their dynamic so much. But yeah. something interesting that I was thinking of is that Barris Offy survives, right? I mean, she's arrested and they take her away and that's the last we see of her on this series, mm-hmm. but who knows where her story ends and maybe there's a future tv series or or something with barris and ahsoka teaming up after order 66 because it's like oh you were right like this this is messed (laughs) up i could see that i could also see you know she's clearly not dark side yet she's clearly not sith by i mean she might be flirting with the dark side for sure but she's not sith she's not working for the separatists 
but all of her thoughts are so anti-Jedi and Palpatine is so involved. Which, by the way, now I'm clearly hearing Tim Curry's voice and it's mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah. Um, I kind of wonder if maybe um, Palpatine kind of, you know, visits her in jail a couple of times and talks to her about her feelings mm. about the Jedi and talks about how he shares the same concerns and kind of, I, I mean, we see him, how good he is at this kind of, um, I, I don't mean this in a romantic way, but the seduction, you know, the, the bringing mm-hmm. someone over. I could see her becoming one of the Inquisitors, you know, someone who becomes a dark side user and is working for Vader and Palpatine to hunt down the Jedi in the early years after the after Order 66. Yeah, uh, we don't know, but I, I think that'd be a great thing to see further explored. That's certainly possible. I mean, yeah, if she's in prison, he would have very easy access to her and, and as you said, could easily turn her at this point. Right. Yeah, and I think Barris is just total willingness to to throw Ahsoka under the bus. And not like it even seemed like like Ricky like you said like she set Ahsoka up to be thrown under the bus would like preclude any sort of team up despite how like Ahsoka seeing like oh yeah, Barris was right. I don't think she could forgive the whole like and then she set me up to take the fall angle. Yeah. But right. again, like Ventress. Ventress, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the way they treat Ventress in this episode. Like, oh, you're cool now. <laughs> Ventress is Ventress has been cool the whole time. Yeah. But yeah. Well, and I, I'm going to say this very carefully because I don't want to spoil anything. But in a later part of the story, uh, the overall Star Wars story, we do see that Ahsoka is quite willing to team up with someone purely for her own advantage, even if she doesn't trust them. So in kind of a very cold-blooded way. Uh, which makes sense for her, but like I, I certainly think that we're learning that Ahsoka is willing to work with whoever she needs to work with when she's in a tough spot. Yeah, I have things to say about that, but it's very spoilery, okay. so so I won't. <laughs> we, we'll but definitely yeah. be getting to it this year, I promise. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, what were some other dynamics about this? Uh, I want to like go back to talking about Palpatine for a sec. Yeah, um, sure. Sheev. Yeah, so first of all, I agree with what Ricky was saying last week about how, I don't know if he said this on the podcast or to, as to me as a human, but uh, he, like, Jim Curry makes a better Lord Sidious than Chief Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, I agree, although I, I mean, I love Tim Curry dearly. Um, when, when he's speaking at Ahsoka's trial, like, he's not the one who's persecuting ahsoka prosecuting prosecuting sorry not persecuting um he's the one who's (laughs) prosecuting ahsoka (laughs) that's like tarkin but he still has this speech about how like now we have seen how evil the jedi are Mm -hmm. and it's very like well ahsoka's guilty and it just seems like a strange speech to be giving um like i mean not strange for palpatine's character but strange and like if we pull the lens back like why would the judge why would just some neutral party be giving the speech about like well looks like she's guilty i mean i think we're supposed to believe that the republic does not have what we would call a fair and just judicial system Mm. (laughs) um you know like this whole trial feels very much like a show trial it happens very quickly the, the political leader is the judge. This military figure is the prosecuting attorney. A senator is the defense lawyer, like not an actual lawyer. Um, it, 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 it definitely feels like this is not like it's not that the citizens of the republic are expecting like the absolute pristine legal proceeding and are horrified to see what happens. 
Um, mm. I, I think the point you're making about how Curry is a better Sidious than Palpatine makes a lot of sense. I think it's kind of fitting because I think he's it's kind of Sidious like revealing himself a lot more, uh, you know, showing like still like I, there's an extent to which I've sometimes seen when people are like pulling something over on someone that there's a part of them that is just so amazed they haven't been caught that they're kind of like being like, okay, well, can I go this far without you catching me? Can I go this far without you catching me? And I think he's just so delighted that he's pulling this over on the Jedi that he's, you know, he's still being careful, but he knows that Order 66 is coming and he wants to just keep planting these seeds of getting the people more and more upset at the Jedi. Yeah. yeah, he's just walking around with a cookie jar sized bulge under his his <laughs> chancellor robes. Oh at my this point. god! Oh, what? This is oh no! Friendly, he's family, he's hiding show, the cookie but, you know, jar in his robes. <laughs> oh what are you? God! Okay, you did not make that clear. <sighs> the hand in the cookie jar. Hand in the cookie jar. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, not thinking about any sort of bulges under Palpatine's robe. Um, it just, it seems weird that he's doing this to Ahsoka, who he knows is Attic- Anakin's Padawan, who he's trying to set up to come to the dark side, right? Like, I feel like this would undermine his relationship with Anakin. I mean, I, and I guess, like, Anakin's not in the room right now, so maybe he feels like, I don't know, like, better saying it, but it's still, like, how is he going to justify this? to anakin later and he doesn't again because it's not clear what the legal proceedings here are Mm. right because presumably like he's not the judge or the jury right like that's what we're trying to say it's like is he the one who makes the decision or is there like no like the senators watching someone hands him written down the decision by the jury he's he's, i think he's supposed to be the judge and he's very much not the jury yeah okay so he he this could still be part of his plan of separating Anakin from Ahsoka. Right. And then being like, ah, there was nothing I could do for your Padawan, Anakin. Because everybody else decided she yeah. was bad. Or right. like, because she was bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think there's a couple of things there. I think one is, we all know what we're looking for. So we see like Palpatine's machinations as the judge pretty clearly. But I, I, I do think in the for the people there, it's still kind of subtle. Like he's not just like, mwahaha, mm. clearly you're guilty. He, he lets the jury make the decision. He's kind of making these subtle comments. And also, I think, like I said, I think one of the things I like about this is I don't think he planned this at all. I think he yeah. kind of put the pieces in motion that he thought something like this was probably going to happen at some point. But to me, this is kind of him on the fly being like, oh, well, this is a wonderful gift to drop in my lap. And oh, hey, if I do this right, I'm going to really drive a stronger wedge between Anakin and the Jedi. And and I think he's thinking that Anakin is going to be so angry at the Jedi that, frankly, he's oh, not even yeah. going to notice what Palpatine's doing. Because that just is – he's – Anakin feels so betrayed, and Anakin is starting to wonder, should he leave as well? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I agree that, like, I don't think Palpatine orchestrated this, but I do think that, he, like, Palpatine was the one who sent Tarkin to tell the Jedi to to give Ahsoka the boot. Like, mm-hmm. for sure, right? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's him taking advantage of the situation mm-hmm. once it came up. It could be, or it could be Tarkin acting on his own. Uh, we know that he's very ambitious right. and, I and think, very anti-Jedi too. Yeah, yeah. he sees this as a way to gain power and the upper right. hand on the Jedi. And speaking yes. of Anakin uh, being angry, 
just in general the fights that he has in this arc um he has a fight against asajj ventress and mm-hmm. then he has a fight against uh barris and both of them he is very angry he's very violent um it, it would not have been surprising at all to see him kill either one of them in the duels like that's how he acts yeah and i think we're supposed to see that because this is the potential you know, final act before Revenge of the Sith. So seeing him, you know, go to that edge. And then, of course, at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, he murders um, Dooku. So, like, it, it reaches that conclusion where it would be a very logical next step. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, I know this was written later, but if you make the central story of his fall in Revenge of the Sith, that Palpatine's talking to him about what happened to poor Ahsoka instead of it being all about, like, your dying wife... I think that would be a lot more believable and a lot more powerful. Yeah, mm. or even just like in addition to your dying wife. Right. Right? Like like not having that be the sole reason. Yeah. Yeah, because in, in a lot of those talks, he's telling Anakin that he can't trust the Jedi. That both like Palpatine can't trust them and that Anakin shouldn't trust them. And yeah, just having him say like, look what they did to Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Ooh. Definitely. <laughs> like, yeah, I, mean, I do, like, the um, the fight between Anakin and Barriss is, like, so cool. Because, um, for, like, Anakin... <laughs> so I think, like, Anakin is pretty sure that Barriss has, done, has, like, orchestrated this and set it up so that, like, Ahsoka thinks it's Ventress, but everybody else thinks it's Ahsoka is like currently where it's at but anakin has figured out that this is barris all along so he goes to barris's chambers anakin grabs her lightsaber off of a little like altar that she's got and they're just having a little chat about like oh this is so unfortunate um and then anakin knowing that he's got barris's lightsaber activates his own and like just swipes at her face basically causing barris to grab Ventress's sabers and use them to defend herself. But, like, that's a big gamble. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, if you are wrong, you're just slicing Barris in half. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And that that kind of what both of you were saying, that Anakin's not really making high-level, rational, well-thought-out decisions. He's mad. Yeah. And it, like, kind of reminded me of the, the like... And now you have to go murder a bunch of Jedi babies, yeah. right? Like he's—he would have done it. I don't know. Like, I guess he was really, really convinced that he was right, and he was. But like, yikes! Yeah, I mean, I think it's—I've commented before that I feel like watching this show makes Revenge of the Sith make a lot more sense because you much better understand why Anakin fell. And I feel like these four episodes really drive that home. You know, it's just, it's him losing himself to anger. It's all of his uh, anger at the Jedi. It's all of his frustration. It's all of his feeling like, you know, he's not being listened to. You know, think about how, where this all started. Anakin didn't want a Padawan and he was not good to her. And he, you know, was calling her snips and and just like <laughs> he does it in this arc well okay yeah that, that, that's not even the point that's not it's a like example, endearing but... now but yeah he was he was very like belittling and like i don't i'm too good for this yeah and they honestly like didn't they give him ahsoka not because they thought that oh ahsoka you have so much to learn from anakin but more like anakin you need to fall into line here's a padawan mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think it, they gave it to him because they thought it would help him, you know, calm down. And like, well, if you, you're going to have to be a role model of being a good Jedi. Um, that didn't work out. <laughs> but but yeah, I feel like it just, it, it really highlights that, you know, Anakin is emotional. He's vengeance focused. He's anger focused. And he's deeply attached. And when those attachments are threatened. Like one thing I thought, there's a, a scene at the very end where he confronts her about leaving. And he's clearly very angry about it. And he goes into that kind of like awful place of like not having empathy for her decision, but you know, I'm mad at you because what are you doing to me? Mm-hmm. And she just calls him right out. She says, you know, I think the exact quote is like, this isn't about you. This is what I have to do for myself. And I thought that was such a perfect illustration of where he is because he's, he's attached to these people, but it's not an attachment of empathy. It's an attachment of this is my Padawan. And if I lose my, like if my Padawan gets killed, what does that mean about me? If my wife dies, what does this mean about me? And I, I think he, he genuinely cares for them, but I think it's very much that attachment style of possession and of ego and of if, if the, if these things aren't there, then that that's an attack on me. Well, and it's like back to control, which is the thing we've talked about with Anakin through this whole series, right? Like he, he has this need to control everything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like he, he, he went out and did it. He proved that Ahsoka was innocent. He found the real person who was guilty. And now Ahsoka gets to come back into the Jedi order and be his Padawan again. And that's like what he's put into place. And for Ahsoka to just reject that, he's like, no, that's not, that's not my plan. That's not what I had designed here. Yeah. So I think it's that loss of control too, which is making him angry. Like realizing he can't control Ahsoka. I think it's very true. So I have a couple other little things to comment on. Is there any other kind of big themes or character moments that we want to dive into? I think a big theme is the birth of the Empire, mm. or like the pre-Empire, mm. in the imagery of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prison where Ahsoka is held also appears to be maybe like a barracks and or landing pad for Star Destroyers because there's a bunch of them flying around in the background. And the building is just menacing. It is like architecturally very, uh, I'm just going to say Nazi Germany, the way the style that they built things and the way that they staged stuff with the flags and the banners and the lights, all of it. Uh, you know, there's constantly troops marching around. And there was actually statues. There were giant Mm -hmm. statues, like I'm talking like 30 or 40 feet tall, of clone troopers outside this building. And that was weird, but also adds to this very, um, like, Roman uh, sensibility to the architecture, which the the Nazis also built into their buildings. And it, it just, like, the way that Tarkin is also flexing his muscle politically. It, mm-hmm. it just all reeks of empire. Yeah. I think there's like a scene too of like Tarkin walking down a hallway, like flanked with clone troopers. Mm-hmm. And like you commented, this is, this is the empire. Like we are in the empire now, basically. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like that, that whole scene with Tarkin and Anakin about taking responsibility back from the Jedi. I think at this point, Tarkin doesn't want to destroy the Jedi, but he wants the Jedi in their place. He wants mm-hmm. the military to be ruling and the Jedi to be kind of following their orders. And it's very much like the the imperial idea, of the, the fascist idea, you know, the military taking over. I think it's a great point, uh, Riki. Uh, and then just like 
small things. Uh, the titles of these episodes mm-hmm. are all references to Hitchcock movies. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I you I definitely noticed it in the second one, which is the the Jedi who knew too much. Uh, oh yeah, I, to the I man didn't who knew too much. The, the, the episode name is, but yeah, that's exactly right. And then I was like, I wondered, and then it turns out, yeah, the other three in this arc are all references to Hitchcock right. movies. To catch a Jedi is to catch a thief. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the wrong brilliant. Jedi is the wrong man. Yeah, it's funny how like. There are some times where these episodes are so well thought out and so intricately detailed. And, you know, there's the fugitive reference and the names reference. And there's just so many of those little details that make for just wonderful television. And then there's the droids episodes. <laughs> like, it, it's, to me, it's like the, the, the frustration of this television show sometimes is that it just, it had, the highs are so, so good. And then the lows can sometimes be pretty bad. I mean, like, even even the Droids episode, like, I know we were ragging on him pretty good, but I, I still think that the Droid episode was, was better than the majority of, like, season one. I think it's yeah, just the episode has gotten to a higher caliber. Um, but yeah, this was all, like, the same writer. Ricky, did you do any research into who this writer is? I did not. Okay, well then, never mind. His um, name's Charles Murray. You go, Charles Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I Char- had one... Oops, Charles Murray wrote all four, and the and the, they're they're directed by four different people, and the last one is directed by Dave Filoni. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is like a very common thing to have, like your main producer direct the right. the final episode of the season, or like in big important episodes, like especially that. given his relationship with Ahsoka, mm-hmm. like as a character. I think I don't know if he actually created her, but it is often viewed that Ahsoka is Dave Filoni's. Child, yeah, and like it's something. It's a character. She's a character that he really cares about and wants to, and has developed into like a key piece of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and and frankly, it makes me so excited about the Ahsoka show because it just Mm. you get the sense that he he probably had so many story ideas of what would happen when Ahsoka walked out you know, walked away from the Jedi. And so now getting, just the way she appeared in Mandalorian was great, but getting to see more of where she's going to go uh, and in some of the other properties she's shown up in or will show up in is really exciting. Yeah. I had I had another little thing, which is just like, we talk about um, Ahsoka and Anakin come, in the first episode coming back to, to play detectives uh, at the Jedi Temple. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know in your notes, you're like, why are they getting Anakin and Ahsoka to do this? And Riki and I asked the same question, and they explain like, oh, because this could be a Jedi, and you guys were off-world, therefore you're the only two who are suited to investigate this? Like, there were really no other Jedi not in the Jedi yeah, Temple? Th- I mean, that's why I wrote that down, is because I, I definitely heard that <laughs> line, and I didn't believe it. And I was like, you know Anakin and Ahsoka are truly the most hot-headed, emotional, like, yeah. not the right people. And so they, they have a droid who's, like, working with them. And the droid's name is Russo ISC. Um, and he seems very, like, CSI kind of a droid, trying mm-hmm. to keep Anakin, like, these two young cops, Anakin and Ahsoka, in, in control. And, like, this yeah. is the way we're going to do this thing. But they just completely disregard him. Yeah. But but the droid was also very good at his job. Yeah. yeah. And it made me wonder... Why, if they have droids this competent at forensic work, they had that ridiculous Keystone cop, yes. you know, in like the Senate assassination arc a couple of seasons the, ago. But like the monk guy? Yeah. 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 
Totally. Or even like if they have droids as confident, why are you even bringing Ahsoka and Anakin mm-hmm. in on this? Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, this is a it's a classic in, in Star Trek. It's the Enterprise problem where some important galactic thing is happening and, and the Enterprise happens to be the closest ship to it yeah. every time because it, it, they're it, the characters. It's mm-hmm. the way you have to tell the story, but it's still worth yeah. poking a bit of fun at. But I, but I think you're getting at something really important because I hadn't even put this together. In many ways, what happens with that droid is it's one more part of the Republic becoming the Imperial machinery saying, Jedi, we don't need you. Mm-hmm. You know, the droid a couple of times says, like, yeah. we can do this better than you. And I think it's just highlighting it that, like, everyone's kind of realizing, like, maybe we don't need these space wizards who live <laughs> up in their big tower and tell us what to do all the time and are so, like, you know, unknowable and mysterious. Um, like, I think it's, just, it's another great, great part of this. Yeah, for sure. One little couple little things that I loved. Um, first of all, there's a scene on, you know, what looks like kind of a monorail train type thing, which, you know, it's obviously kind of high tech, but it also looks kind of like dirty and grungy. And to me, as a kid who grew up in New York City in the late 70s and 80s, it looks exactly like the subway trains of my youth. Like just the way the chairs are laid out and the way people are standing or sitting and, and just the, the dirtiness of it. I, I felt like it was definitely animated by someone who had seen those subway trains if not ridden on them themselves uh, at some point so i loved that and and then also just kind of um hitting more on the ahsoka and ventress uh stuff there's one line that i wrote down because it's just so good um ahsoka kind of gives ventress the speech like look we may have to fight some clones who come to arrest us but we can't kill any of them and so they get in this fight that's pretty brutal but you know, and the clones who come to arrest them actually get, you know, their butts kicked eight different ways to Sunday, but none of them are actually dead. And Ventures just says in that wonderful sort of deadpan draw she has, see, didn't kill one. It's a new me. And I just, <laughs> I just love that line so much. That actually reminded me of, of a little of Terminator 2 when John oh, Connor yeah. orders the Terminator not to kill anyone and then he starts shooting people in the kneecaps oh yes. and Connor's like what are you doing what are you doing and he's like they'll live <laughs> which, which is funny I hadn't even put it together but when I was wa- I recently rewatched that episode of Terminator for a different uh, podcast I did and watching him go for the kneecaps I kind of wondered if that line in Firefly where Shepard Book says you know I'm not allowed to the holy book tells me not to kill and then he cocks a shotgun and says it is however quite silent on the topic of kneecaps and I kind of wonder mm. if that was a little bit of a, a Terminator reference there Huh. I've never seen Terminator. Well um. then, <laughs> next movie to get. Yeah, yeah. gosh. Um, yeah, I, I I liked what you were saying about the, the New York City subway train. Um, and I think it also, like, the, the grunginess of it kind of highlights the, uh, the gap between the upper echelons of Coruscant, who are, like, the Jedi Temple, the Jedi Order, and, like, the regular everyday people living on Coruscant. Um, and I, and we, I love that we get to see more of that in season mm. seven. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of the mood of this episode, I, I felt like it was raining for most of them. Like there's a lot of rain. Well, it's film noir. Yeah. And, yeah. and, at, and at one point there was the classic scene shot of the building, the, this, uh, pr- imperial prison. Mm-hmm. And there's just like thunder and lightning in the background. Yeah, I've recently been watching nice touch. some of the older um, Batman animated shows, both episodes from Batman the Animated Series and especially Batman <laughs> Beyond, which is an episode about that for superhero ethics. 
And honestly, that's what a lot, it, it made me think of like animated Gotham, you know, where all the buildings are tall and have these very long shadows and everything is imposing and very sort of like gothic and rains yeah. everywhere. And that, that's definitely the, the aura I was getting. Like, like you said, well, the, the opening credits where he's at the end of the opening credits where he's standing on the rooftop and the lightning like illuminates him for just a moment. Oh, yeah. Like that. That sensibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's a fun Batman the Animated Series fact. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> why? Oh, it's a fun fact. They, uh, the the animation was done on black paper, um, and it was like <laughs> it's so the, goth. I love it. I know, and it was the darkest show on television. Like it, it, for that time, in terms of like color value, not necessarily content. Mm-hmm. It's still a kids show, but yeah, it was like tonally the darkest that they were airing, and it's just yeah. I don't know. I really love it. I love the art style. It's so beautifully done. Um, I think they spent, like, they they went way over budget. And, like, I guess their animators would work overtime for free, basically, mm-hmm. to to get this show animated. Because it was just, like, so gorgeous. But, yeah. Yeah. I, oof, I, I We're now deep into tangent land. So I'm just going to say two quick <laughs> things about that and then drag us back. But one is the, like, that's a beautiful story. But I hate the idea of artists working and not getting paid for it. Yeah. Like, come on, Warner Brothers, pay them. But but also, um, I I hadn't realized that, and I love that darkness in it, and I hate the idea that maybe that's why um, Zack Snyder thinks that every DC property has to be dark, 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 dark. Mm. But anyway, deep in a tangent land, let me pull us back. <laughs> the one thing I wanted to comment on is, uh, at the very beginning, we mentioned this, that it's Ahsoka who saves Anakin. And she's done things like that before, but I think this is one of the times where it's the most, like, stark, that, like... He is going to clearly die unless she saves him. And it, it kind of felt like the we're setting up the idea that maybe she doesn't need a master anymore. That maybe she's no longer a Padawan because she's now saving him. You know, she is now, at least in terms of the Force, kind of like more like what Anakin and Obi-Wan are in Revenge of the Sith. Where they're working together, but they're no longer master and Padawan. They're, they're colleagues and comrades. And... I certainly got the impression that when she's offered a chance to go back to the Jedi, they're basically saying, like, we want to bring you back, but as a Jedi Knight. Like, you wouldn't have to be a Padawan anymore. And uh, whether or not that's true, I just I just love that scene in the context of everything else at the beginning because I think it, it just really highlights, like, she's not really a Padawan anymore. She's ready to go out on her own. Well, I mean, Anakin offers her, like, little Padawan hair accessory thing to her. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, sorry, Ricky. What were you gonna say? Yeah. Well, but also, how important is it that she saves him? Mm. Because uh, I'm gonna try not to be too spoilery here, but something she deals with later on is the guilt of feeling like if she had been there, she could have stopped him from turning to the dark side yeah. in Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I really loved the visual metaphor. Like, so the the thing that Ahsoka is saving. Um, Anakin from is like a plane crash basically um, and I like there he's being attacked by droids nano droids or something like that for some reason buzz, it's not buzz bots buzz bots <laughs> I knew it was some ridiculous name um, and she isn't um, and so he's been attacked he's passed out and R2 is like relaying this information to Ahsoka that like the plane's not working it looks fine from the outside but she's like, tip your wing and show me underneath a plane. And R2 like tips up and shows that like the underbelly is just 
crawling with these buzz bots. So the idea of like things are looking fine on the surface, but there's this like seedy oh, underbelly. That's so good, yeah. Yeah, I think that's like a fun little visual metaphor that mm. sets us up for these four episodes. That's also it reminds me of Iron Man. Right when the two fighters go after Iron Man and then they like think they've lost him, but he's actually hanging on Clinging. to one of them, and they're like, "Hey, like tip up," and oh, he does. Yeah. He's like, "There's a man on your underbelly." <laughs> well, doesn't like the Millennium Falcon do that to some ship, like land? Yeah, uh, it... the Millennium Falcon like makes a run at a star destroyer bridge and then like attaches itself to the back of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's such a good point, and. It drives home for me, because we're talking so much about Ahsoka, uh, this is kind of one of my hopes for the future, is that the relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin is so powerful, and that there's a beautiful shot at the end of this, where, where as you said, they, they take away this, like, Padawan hair thing, and then Anakin offers it back to her, and she puts it in his hand and does the thing of, like, closing his hand around it. And it's just this, like, poignant, beautiful moment. And, I mean, one of the things that I, you think about is that at the point of the story that now a lot of the new material is going to come out at the Mandalorian, you know, this time right after Return of the Jedi, Ahsoka's really the only one still around who knew Anakin before he became Vader, who remembered, or and at least who knew him and has really fond memories of him, you know, mm. who, who really cared for him. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I need them to in some way give me the moment on screen where Ahsoka realizes that Anakin turned back to the good side because because as you brought up um uh, Riki I think you know she's clearly so upset about the fact that he turned to the dark side and she couldn't save him I don't know where it's going to happen I don't know when it happened but you know whether it's she talks to Luke because of Grogu or she talks to force ghost Obi-Wan uh or even you know I don't know what it is but I need to see that moment on screen when she realizes that in the end Anakin defeated dark like you know Anakin came back I mean, if we're talking Force Ghosts, He's a talk force to ghost. Anakin. Yeah. yeah, that's possible too. But but not Hayden Christensen. Oh. Change, change that scene at the end of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Original Force Ghost, please. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the new Kenobi show when it comes out, and I'm gonna do my best to be excited about it. But God, of all the things I want in Star Wars, Hayden Christensen coming back and a rematch of Obi Wan Anakin is absolutely not on those lists. Yub nub. Yeah, bring back Yubnub. That's that's the better political fight. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's a good stopping point. Is there anything else you the one you wanted to mention? No. Cool. Awesome. Well, great. <laughs> Thank you all so much for this conversation. Um, to those folks listening at home, let us know what you think. We'd love to know what you think of these episodes. What do you think of Ahsoka's journey? And did you want to see the Ahsoka Ventress team-up movie? Um, what do you think of Palpatine? And I'm going to tell you how to contact us, but first I wanted to announce, folks, that uh, we just finished Season 5. And we'll be starting season six, and we'll be bringing back the book club pretty soon. But next week, we're going to be doing uh, a movie. We're kind of trying to insert a movie in between all of the seasons, and we're doing The Last Jedi. And for that one, uh, Riki and Sarah will be my guests, along with Ashley Coffin, as the four of us discuss it. And as we've done in the last couple of movies, we're going to be recording a podcast, so it will come out as a podcast, but we're also going to be recording it live on Twitch. So um, all four of us will be on camera talking about the episode and because it's live on twitch you can send us you can be in the chat room you can send us questions you can give us feedback you can tell us what idiots we are you can tell me how good my (laughs) hair looks you know whatever you want to do um but we'll it'll all be live it'll be a great time to discuss the movie so definitely yeah check that out it'll be stranded panda twitch.com stranded 
twitch.com slash strandedpandatv, and that link will be in the show notes as well as all over the strandedpanda.com. So definitely check that out. And like I said, if you want to be in contact with us, best way to reach us is by searching for The Ethical Panda on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, you can reach me that way. You can also go to, you can also email at strand, you can also email at theethicalpanda at gmail.com. Or you can just go to the website, theethicalpanda.com, and that's where you'll find stuff about all the other podcasts I'm doing along with this one. And lastly, if you go to strandedpanda.com, that's where you'll find all the other great podcasts that are part of the Stranded Panda Podcast Network that uh, these podcasts are a part of. There's lots of other great content, the way we look at Star Wars. Uh, other people there are looking at the MCU. They're doing great episodes on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, at DC, if you want to hear more thoughts on the Snyder Cut, uh, Star Trek, all sorts of other great things. And the last announcement I'll make about that is very connected, actually, to what we're doing here. A new show is going to be coming out quite soon on the Stranded Panda Podcast Network called Animation Deliberation. And myself and one, if not uh, possibly both of the co-hosts of that animation show, will be teaming up to cover The Bad Batch, the new Star Wars show that's releasing starting on May the 4th. So definitely check that out. Uh, we're really, we love going over this old content, but it's going to be really fun to have new Star Wars content to talk about. And I know the animation guys are really excited from that direction, so it'll be a great show. So, Riki, Sarah... Thank you so much for being a part of this. To everybody else listening, thank you so much for being... To all your listeners, thank you so much, and have a great day. Kenobi. <laughs> no Grievous. That's the one there thing we missed. Grievous. Did you actually miss Grievous? No, not the slightest. Okay.